0: To all of you, beloved of God, called saints in Christ, because God is no longer counting your debts and sins and trespasses, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Holy Spirit has one thing in mind always. Working and willing, nothing other than to deliver Jesus Christ to sinners as Messiah, Lord, and Savior. That is, despite our great hope and wish to be seen in God's eyes as worthy and good and improving, to be righteous. The Holy Spirit doesn't come with gentle words of affirmation saying things like, you're doing great, just keep it up. Neither does the Holy Spirit show each one of us how to make small adjustments and improvements in our life, choices, so that we could get back on the righteous path. Instead, the Holy Spirit delivers Jesus into a world to save us from our sin by taking our sin to himself. And of course, that's a pretty tall order, because sinners like to keep their sin to themselves— And the people of God have always chosen to hide their sin and to hoard their sin and to hold on to it as if it was their very, very life. Doing their own thing, making their own choices, going their own way. Just so we can show God that we can do it ourselves. We can make it. We can be good enough to be called children of God. But that's why it's so difficult to read something like John chapter 3, which tells us that God loved the world and that his son came into the world, but that when the light came into the world, the people loved their darkness rather than the light, because their deeds We're evil. That's a pill that never goes down easy. We come to church, we come to hear God's word that comes easy to us, but this is constantly what the Holy Spirit fills us with. And it feels like a full-scale attack on us, which of course it is, directed right at the exact place where we've built up our strongest defenses. Defenses, you know, are always designed to put a stop to the attack, to keep it away, to protect something important right at the heart of the kingdom, to protect our very lives, even. Many attacks come to us each and every day, and most of them don't really matter to us. For example, if you tell me that I'm bad at golf, I don't care. Golf isn't an important part of my life. You can tell me I'm good at it, it won't matter. You can tell me to buy more clubs, it doesn't, I don't care one bit. On the other hand, if you try to claim that I am no good at basketball, well, you're up for an argument. I've got trophies from seventh grade, newspaper clippings about my selection to the all-county team, honorable mention by the way. (laughs) And have you seen my picture-perfect jump shot form? Probably not, otherwise you wouldn't be arguing with me about these things. If you keep pushing the envelope, I'll tell you what, I bet I could beat Kobe Bryant. Well, you see how ridiculous our defenses get sometimes. But you can always tell where our defenses are the strongest. They're wherever our irritation flares, wherever our anger rages, wherever our jealousy and fears and worries consume. They come out quickly and forcefully to stop any attack upon what we hold dear about ourselves wherever the attack actually lands tells us that we're not really as good as we think we are and it threatens our life but the Holy Spirit as I said is singularly focused on delivering Jesus Christ as your Savior and there's not a moat or some reinforced high wall or locked door that will prevent that from happening. There is no place where the Holy Spirit cannot deliver Jesus to enter in and remove you, that is, pull you away from the sin that holds you bound and clings to your self-styled life. This is, in fact, what God has promised us. And it is what we watch and wait for throughout Advent. What do you think we've been looking for? A kind simple, easy word, that could have been done long ago. Jesus Christ, though, is coming into a world that has no place for him, gives him no time, and does not desire his arrival, but chooses his death instead. And yet he comes anyway to bring us freedom from sin, life after death, and salvation even from ourselves. This is the love of God given to us, the love that comes not on our choice, but in our need from a loving Father, from the God who created us and redeems us and desires always to be near us. It is this love that calls us out of ourselves even to hearing Jesus tell us what love looks like. It's not clinging to ourselves and protecting all that we have. It's losing ourselves, even our very lives. Losing yourself entirely in God's word. The good, the bad, the beautiful, the ugly, in order that you would have no life other than the eternal life of Jesus Christ, given to you today, tomorrow, every day. Now if you think that's shocking, take a look at what happens to Joseph in our our Gospel reading from Matthew 1. Joseph, we're told, was a righteous man. Everything seemed to be going right along his plan. He was growing up, he had found a beloved bride. They were engaged to be married. You can imagine the life that they had in store, all planned out, ready to go, a life of righteousness right down the line. But then God intervenes. Then, unexpectedly, Mary is found to be pregnant. The life that Joseph was expecting Ruined instantly. This was not part of the plan, and Joseph comes face to face with a troubling circumstance that he did not create, which he cannot handle on his own. He's faced with only a couple of choices. How could this have happened? What was he to do? What would be the right path that he could take? What would be best? for himself and for Mary. Well, after thinking quickly on this, he resolves what he will do. Instead of exposing Mary to the disgrace of the world, he will dismiss her quietly. They will go their separate ways, and they'll have new lives. It'll save them both some dignity. It'll create little stir. But just as he resolves to do this, the angel of the Lord intervenes yet again, destroying Joseph's plan with a message from God. Plowing right through these carefully laid defenses that Joseph has constructed in order to keep his righteousness, to show his righteousness, to avoid the indignity of what is before him, he receives this message from God don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The child is from the Holy Spirit and will come to save God's people from their sin. Poor Joseph. Even in this scripture reading, he barely gets any credit. On his one solitary day in all of our three-year lectionary cycle, even on this day when Joseph seems to be at center stage, the Holy Spirit steps in and says, it's not about what you do, Joseph. I am delivering Christ into the world. In the end, none of Joseph's righteousness counted for anything. He wasn't chosen because he always did the right thing, God intervened into Joseph's righteous life in order to give him a new life, a life of righteousness beyond himself that comes in the salvation brought by Jesus. In the end, all he was able to do was give Jesus his name. And even that wasn't his doing, but was given by the Holy Spirit and in this I have a lot of sympathy for Joseph and I don't think I'm alone in this. We all want to get our due and our credit for the good that we do in the world, do we not? I mean, think about it for a moment. I spend every day being a father, doing the best that I can. And you know how many days a year I get credit? Father's Day. And that's the day I barely have to do any fathering because they do it all for me, right? Or how about this one? Am I not a decent, appreciable pastor? Do I not do a fairly good job? I work 12 months a year, but only one month a year is pastor appreciation month. Come on, get with it. We do good every day, and yet... We go unappreciated much of the time. And even when we are appreciated or when we don't even need the appreciation, we look around and we see that our work doesn't make all that big of a difference. Cumulatively, people's lives don't change. The world isn't fixed. And we have to keep on fathering and mothering and friending and pastoring and caring and preaching again and again to sinners giving them the promise of new life in Christ beyond themselves. We grow weary of doing what is right, for nothing seems to change. And so we begin to say things like, well, if they don't appreciate me now, maybe I'll stop doing it and see if I can't garner a little more appreciation. I'll stop doing all the good work that I can and see if they miss me. But don't you see that's just one more of our defense mechanisms trying to pull people into ourselves rather than to give Christ by the Holy Spirit where he's needed for forgiveness, freedom, and life. Our defensiveness starts to sound like a plea for more appreciation, more adulation. Give me more, give me more. And it's appreciated, I'll say. But the Holy Spirit is calling to us to give us something more than a kind, affirming word. He calls us to give the promise of Christ to one another, saying, here he is right in the midst of your defensiveness, right in the midst of your fear and anger and worry. Fear not, for he has come to save you. And in our weariness, we find that it is always the darkest right before we're going to hit the dawn right at the edge of the cliff where we can go no further, the Holy Spirit says, there, there I've got you. When you are exhausted, when your righteousness is spent, when all other things have been removed, all defenses knocked down, when your righteous works fail you, you can hear finally that you have a Savior and you have a righteousness that comes by faith in Christ alone. The Holy Spirit does this work, delivering Jesus Christ right to your life in his flesh, in the water, in your ear, in this word, bringing you the joy and hope that comes with Christ's birth. This baby, born of Mary, son of David, by way of Joseph, but most importantly, delivered by the Holy Spirit to you, to deliver you from sin and death. Amen.